Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So we're sitting here today. I'm delighted to be here and I'm waiting on our guests uh, to call in, and I'll uh, take the opportunity at that time to introduce her. Um, but, um, you know, I uh, did want to take a few minutes for uh, while we're waiting um, for those of you who have dialed, have dialed up and um, uh, to listen in, and um, um, so I didn't want to disappoint and just um, uh, re- have to reschedule today, um, but um, just talk a little bit about um, a number of, um, of things that uh, were on my mind about uh, the show, um, because there, there have been so many people to call in and write um, various emails um, and um, just great deal of interest all over the world, in fact, about the show. Um, and so I've had people who continue to ask, what made you do this? What made you um, start this show? And um, quite frankly, it, uh, for those of you who haven't heard the story, it just started out as someone saying, um, you tell all these stories about uh, people you've met and people you've talked to, you've had some interesting conversations. Uh, you should have actually a television show first with the running joke. Um, but then it turned into uh, uh, over 10 years ago being that you should have a podcast. And so here we are today, 10 years later, still doing podcasts, started out monthly, and now um, we are at um, – uh, weekly podcast series. So um, I'm going to uh, um, see. It looks like our um, guest has dialed in. Just um, me on the switchboard here. Um, hello, this is Perkins Platform. Is this uh, uh, Tajan? Yes. Hello, Dr. Perkins. This is Tajan. Like to yeah. chat with you here. Yes, yes, thank you. Well, um, welcome, and I'm glad that you were able to join me. I I delayed um, welcoming you officially and introducing you until you got um, a chance to dial in, and so I'm really happy that you're able to join us because we have an audience from around the world of leaders and aspiring leaders as well um, who I think would benefit from uh, a lot of what you've said, um, I've read about, um, you know, some of the work that you've been doing in coaching. I know you've had a TEDx and some other great work. And have you tell us a little bit about yourself? But um, um, I want to introduce to some of you and uh, kind of reintroduce to others that may already know her, uh, Tajan uh, Renderos, who is um, a coach and. Um, has uh, written a, a lot about um, her coaching and and the work that she's doing. She served as a former equity director 
um, and as I mentioned, has done a TEDx and, and just is doing some great work in, in the area of coaching uh, leaders. And so just like to welcome you. And um, first, before we get started into the topic of um, you know, having these successful one-on-one meetings, I'd love to have you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're currently doing. Sure, I'd be happy to. So my name is Tajan Bracey Renderos, and I'm an ICF credentialed leadership development coach. I really mostly focus on working with people managers, often first-time managers, or folks who are transitioning roles, handle some of the toughest parts of people management, all the stuff that people would rather eat rocks than do, having really tough conversations, firing people, navigating conflict, all of that stuff is my sweet spot. Um, and I help folks take a coaching approach to people management so that they can handle those issues with ease. Um, and, that, and I do that by um, primarily some innovative learning modalities. So I, I'm not so keen on workshops and webinars and presentations. I like to teach using learning collaboratives and using modalities that get beyond just didactic type workshops where there isn't any expectation for people to move on performance metrics. So uh-huh. I like to, I'm an evaluator by training. So um, that's embedded in the work I do. So that's a little bit yeah. about me and, 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 and the work. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm really excited also to have you because as kind of a fellow coach, um, yeah, I have I also have a number of clients around the world that um I um, work with in, you know, kind of at various levels, some middle management, some C-suite executives and, and so forth. But, um, you know, I, I guess I'll start with, you know, a lot of times people ask about coaching um, and, you know, the assumption gets made a lot of the time that, you know, someone is, you know, making, uh, you know, a certain amount of money or they they have risen to a certain level that, you know, they they should know what they're doing. And so why do they need a coach? Mm-hmm. You know, I hear that a mm-hmm. lot, uh, particularly oh, from yeah. people who, who are like board members or or that are responsible for hiring leaders. And you know, like, I mean, I'm hiring this person because they know what to do. Why should they need yeah you to come in and be a coach. Um, so, yeah. you know, I'd love to hear your take. I'm sure you get the same thing, too. Absolutely, I do. And what I often say to folks who, I must say, the field is changing, the industry is changing, coaching is becoming a little bit more mainstream, but I want to say most coaches that I work with, when I do ask them, have you ever had a coach? I want to say 90% of them still have the response of no, never had a coach before. So right, oftentimes right. we're still in this space where we're actually educating people because people don't mm-hmm. know what this is. But I think as the industry progresses and expands and moves beyond the C-suite to all levels of management and even individual contributors, then we're going to be in an environment soon, I think, in yes. probably, hopefully the next decade, where folks are like, oh, yeah, I do have a coach and I've had a coach before and my company pays for us and that's no big deal. But that's until right. then... Yes, there's this explaining. And what I like to tell coaches in my first session is I I always use a sports analogy. I'll say, don't you see Usain Bolt? He's a best track star we've ever seen. 
doesn't he have a doesn't he know nutrition, what to train, what to do, when to eat? Doesn't he know all of that? Hasn't isn't he he's the goat. Hasn't he mastered all of that? Why does he need a coach? Yeah. Can't he just handle nutrition himself, train himself, do, do all of those things? He knows what to do. The coach is there to serve as a catalyst for some form of transformation that already wants to be made. Mm-hmm. They're putting mm-hmm. heat under some transformation that's already wanting to happen and helping you get out of your own way in that process. Sure. Um, and so when folks lack into, latch into the coaching, into the sports analogy, folks are like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, what would the Chicago Bulls and the Lakers do without Phil Jackson? Like, yeah, they need, teams need a coach, individuals need a coach. So it makes sense. And I'm like, this is no different. This is about taking you saying from good to great, great to excellent, excellent to out to the stratosphere. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And And the other thing that I – um, find myself <clears throat> talking to people about uh, when they when we get on the conversation of coaching is that a lot of the issues that as we start to uncover, they start to realize, well, you know, this is also me. You know, some people have this this really weird, um, I, or I guess I shouldn't even say weird. It is this 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 belief that there exists, uh, there's my work self, and then there's my personal self. <laughs> I'm sure you get that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. then when we start coaching, they say, you know, yeah. my kids tell me that. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, my significant other also says that I do that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that in a lot of ways, coaching helps across all aspects of your life in a lot of ways, you know? Absolutely. And I think one of the big reasons why, at least for leaders, it's essential for them to have coaches is because the stakes are too high when they don't. The ramifications are too large. So um, I remember once working with a – senior executive, a CEO, who came from, was an immigrant, came from a really poor family and just was really conservative with money because they hadn't had it. And once it came Mm -hmm. to him, it was like, and we need to keep it and we need to. And so he was very, very, as a leader, uber conservative, very, ran everything very lean. And once once that company switched, switched CEOs, all of a sudden, New CEO is just investing, and folks were just like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Where did all this money come from? Well, really, it was always there. So some of your own personal history, your family history, your co- all of that is being brought into how you lead. And a coach can serve as an objective, neutral party that is holding you in positive regard, but also holding up a mirror, also a safe and gentle place for you to fall on, for you to process, for you to process through your 360 reviews and all of those things where people are putting up a mirror to you, but it feels harsh, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, so mm-hmm. you have to be working with somebody who's trained to help you process all of that in a productive, constructive way. Absolutely. So I think the, the, the ramifications when you don't have that are, 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 too, are, are too large. 
um, you know, I mean, that company lost so many people because it was so underinvested. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't mm-hmm. invest in professional development. They wouldn't invest in anything, even when it made fiscal sense. It made sense on every level. But yeah. Again, he had that tendencies that never went examined. Sure, sure. Oh, mm-hmm. I, you know, don't get me started talking about, um, you know, lack of investment in professional development. Um, I mean, and uh-huh. that's across all a lot of organizations because mm-hmm. um, a lot of executives, but even boards, don't see the value yeah. in it. And it's and it's back to what I said earlier. Forget the coaching, just professional development. That look, I hired you. You should already know. Um, is the mindset for a lot of people, which is what leads yeah. me to this next uh, piece as we kind of pivot to um, why I asked you to come on is because, you know, as I said, you know, we've got a lot of people who are in leadership roles, and I always try to give people little snippets, and hopefully there's some things that you um, – um, that you share that, you know, a lot of people will be able to take away and, and apply. Um, you know, this, this show uh, kind of highlights for leaders some of the things that they should be aware of, but then we try to give them some solutions, some strategies to, to work mm-hmm. on. And so one is, is one that I know um, a lot of leaders struggle with is um, – how to you know hold one-on-one meetings so they're not necessarily always bad meetings right so that they they could be good but some people are just uncomfortable like planning and implementing these one-on-ones and in some cases they are for evaluation purposes or to give feedback and um, I know you wrote a great article about that and you know, I know you know some you know to whatever extent you you know feel um, uh, comfortable sharing with your framework um, would be great um, for for how you how you recommend that people um, do these one-on-one meetings. So I'd love to hear like, um, if we could start with. So um, what are some of the what are some of the ways in which um, people, at least you've experienced, have difficulty with with setting these up and actually uh, being successful at one-on-ones? I think one of the large problems with this is that a lot of folks think that they're not necessary. That is the biggest hurdle that we need to overcome. Like a lot of folks Mm -hmm. are thinking like, I told you what to do. Things are humming along fine. I don't need to do these one. I don't have time for this. This is not essential. Um, what is essential is focusing on the technical stuff only. Mm-hmm. Um, but these one-on-one check-ins aren't necessarily essential or necessary. So I think the first big hurdle, the first big step is leaders coming to the realization that this is essential and critical for your people management. If you want to lead people well, you must do regular check-ins. It is not enough to be checking in with your direct reports during the performance review season. Mm-hmm. Not enough. So that's the first thing. You actually have to do them, and you actually have to do them at a regular cadence. 
Most people don't like being managed, but everybody needs to be led well. And you can't lead people well if you don't know them. So the first thing is doing them actually regularly. The mm-hmm. second thing is, in order to lead people well, you have to demonstrate to them, you have to build trust. And in order to build trust, you have to be having conversations that get beyond just the technical aspects of work. Right? So you actually need to know, you actually have to have career conversations with, with direct reports. You actually need to know about about them personally outside yeah. of work, right? They yeah. need to know that you have their back, their liver, their spleen, right? Yeah. They need yeah. to know no, that. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and that cannot happen in the absence of one-on-one. You know, you know, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, and I want you to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you what you just said so resonates with me um, because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people say things like, well, look, I'm not here to be their friend. You know, I, I find mm-hmm. that in leaders. And it's like, no, we're not saying you got to go have a beer or a cocktail with people after work. But what we are saying is that, and I've I've come to know this more over the years is that you do, and I, you know, you, and I just underline what you said about you have to know them personally. And so that yeah. also includes not just, you know, kind of from a leadership perspective, like what teams to put them on because they possess certain strengths. What I also learned, and this I'm sure is a bigger conversation for another day, is you've got to know what kinds of things um, make people happy. And I know a lot of people are going to go, oh, here we go, you know, but what I've learned about productivity is that, um, and when, you, you know, this whole thing about knowing them, how to have conversations with them that you're talking about that build trust is because you know them and you're pushing them to do also the kinds of things that make them happy and, and that they are naturally kind of good at. Um, one last thing is that, I've, I've recognized, and this is not coming from a disingenuous place, is though I've recognized that you do get more, more productivity out of people when yeah. you are tuned into those things. So it's like not a bad thing yeah. to know um, and to encourage them along those ways. You know, like these are the things that you want to do, and I'm going to tell you specifically, hey, I gave you this task because I know you like to do this. So because right. you like to do this, I'm giving it to you. So knowing them, I couldn't agree with you more. So sorry, go ahead, continue. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, because there are transferable skills and clues to what folks should be doing within, within their companies that come, from, that come from the external right, that come from outside of work. So you may have a direct report who um, is volunteering at an animal shelter, and she loves the customer service aspect of it, and she's doing nothing like that in your job. And you, if you knew nothing about her other than what she's doing, then you would never know that, like, wait a minute, like, you love that, that gives, that juices you. Like, how can we, 
and you're good at it. How can we how can we change things for you here so that you're doing more of that? Right? So so okay. so yes, it, it 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 helps. And it does not mean that you're coddling people. It does not mean that you're becoming their friends and crossing any strange lines. It doesn't have to mean that at all. Mm-hmm. That's a common myth that we should just put to bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 And I would say the third piece is around the mechanics now of these conversations. So in these conversations, you're going to be wanting to take more of a coaching approach to those conversations. You're going to be wanting to ask more open-ended questions to understand how they're doing, how they're feeling, what lights them up about what they're doing, what's their favorite project, their least favorite project, what aspect of the work is most engaging to them or not. Do they feel like they're included on the team? And then you also, if you are directly managing people, you want to use this as an opportunity to improve the way you manage. And so you actually Mm -hmm. want to be soliciting feedback in one-on-one. And so you actually want to ask questions like, like, for example, what could I do more of or less of that would support you? You want to train people to constantly give you constructive feedback. If you want your team members to be giving each other constructive feedback and not avoiding it, you have to model that first. Mm -hmm. You have to be constantly asking for constructive feedback at every Mm -hmm. avenue, not just your performance review. That's not enough. You've got to be doing that in real time, at check-ins, in the meeting. You've got to be holding yourself to a higher standard in that regard, modeling that. Because for many individual contributors who have never worked anywhere before, you are their model of what it means to lead and, how it, mm-hmm. and, and what it looks like to show up at work in a, in a good way. So that's really critical, the mechanics of how you, how you ask questions is, is critical. Um, because what that can do is, especially when there are issues, you get to unlearn what people's motivations are. Um, and oftentimes what I see among a lot of managers is, they'll over-index themselves when dealing with direct reports. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is, I wouldn't approach it this way. Like, mm-hmm. the internal conversation in their head is like, why isn't this person going above and beyond here? Like, I gave her one thing to do. Why didn't she, why didn't she do that and more? Yeah. Why did she just barely do that? Over-indexing on you on how you perform, on how you show up, on how you communicate as the standard. So it's important to really um, check your own hidden expectations and hidden intentions. So one-on-ones provide an opportunity for you to unveil those. Yeah. For you to, if you had had hidden expectations and hidden intentions, one-on-ones are a place for you to be like, when I give you this, you know, my expectation and my hope is that it would translate in this manner. My intention for giving you this stretch assignment is so that X, Y, Z, A, V, C. So that Mm -hmm. those intentions that are in your head are not just hidden because that far too often um, people are trying to protect themselves by keeping those intentions and expectations hidden, right? Because people are trying to avoid awkwardness, but it creates more awkwardness when when you don't. (laughs) 
when you aren't really clear oh, on your okay. intentions and expectations, you create a bigger problem. So one-on-ones provide that opportunity. The other thing I like to say to folks is you need to publicly praise and privately criticize. Mm-hmm. So if you're not regularly meeting with your direct reports and you don't have an opportunity to privately give them feedback. And one thing that we know from research around this is that most direct reports are feeling starved for, for feedback. And when you look at um, people of color in the workplace, even more so, starved for constructive feedback. People are desperate for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so once you've built trust, once you've built, like, you, you're having career conversations with this person, you, you've demonstrated that, like, you are treating them with kind of continuous positive regard. You've had conversations outside of just work. You care about them as a human being. You bring humanity in the room when you lead and when you engage with them. Once you've built that foundation, of course you can critique. Yeah. Of yeah. course you can. You've earned the right. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people to. miss. Yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. miss that and the importance of establishing that trust first before you can, mm-hmm. you know, journey into that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then it becomes, I care about your progress in this, in this company, and because I care, I'm going to offer you this feedback if you're open to it. Versus, mm-hmm. just, do, just do it this way. This is wrong, fix it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you've demonstrated yeah. that you've demonstrated no, like, absolutely. I absolutely. Now, let me ask you a question about, um, and I know that there, because this is something that I struggled with early um, in in my leadership career, was about um, making the time. Okay, so you know, I I remember at one point, you know, people um, that were direct reports would say I had as many as thirteen, and it's like. Um, I had the advice that, oh, yeah, you should do these weekly check-ins. Um, and I was like, you know, just don't have time for that. Um, who, what do you say to the leader that's like, I have too many people to do that with? Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. what's your suggestion? So, you know, beyond say something weekly, but um, just they also struggle with, um, as I did early, um, with, so what's on the agenda? I just met with this person last week. So even if I only have three or four, so I just met with them last week. Now you're saying I should meet with them again. What's the agenda? Mm. What does the agenda look like? So first, how do I make the time and adjust mm-hmm. for that? But then secondly, okay, so let's say I have the time, weekly check-ins, quite a bit, you know, so mm-hmm. I'd, I'd respond to mm-hmm. that. Okay. First of all, I don't think we should ever be building any structures that imprison us. Mm-hmm. So if as a leader one has or feels that one has too many direct reports in order to lead them well, in order to serve them well, the system should be flexible and responsive and smart and we call ourselves our learning organization. We have to learn, right? So the system should be smart and nimble enough for us to be able to shift that. If 13 is too much, then let's go down to five and see how that feels. And then 
we learn from five and see, if, well, maybe we could do seven. If seven feels good, all right. There should be, if we are wanting to um, manage direct reports with a coaching approach to management, and we've trained and prepared leaders to do that, then we're asking them to put in a bigger time investment, which then means they can't have the same quantity. They can't carry the same load. Now, if it's just a compliance situation, if if you're just looking at that supervisory relationship as, and I'm here to sign the paperwork and do the bare minimum and that's that, then, yeah, maybe 13 might work. But if you have evolved from that um, paradigm and you're now saying, no, 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 we actually want managers who are coaching our people to a degree, then, then, we, need to, then we need to be then leaders, HR, et cetera, and mostly deal with them, need to be nimble in terms of looking at what that quota is. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The policy mm-hmm. should be flexible. We should be learning. So if 13 is too much, let's, let's, let's experiment with five and see how we go. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. Now let's mm-hmm. say you have five, but you have a weekly check-in schedule. This is where policy should not bind us. So if weekly is too much, then we don't have to have weekly. It could be monthly. It could be bi-week. It could be twice a month. I think it should be, I think that should be flexible, and we should, in fact, check in around that. So I think with the direct report, one should be saying, hey, you just started at this company. Our weekly check-in, we've been doing weekly check-ins. How does that feel for you? How is that cadence for you? What is helpful about that cadence? What is not helpful about that cadence? And if the, and if the direct report is like, yeah, I just started at this job, these weekly check-ins are really helpful for me, then keep them. Two years down the line with this direct report, you might need a monthly check-in. But the purpose of the check-in is to check in, right, to check in on all of those things. So you should be asking that question and no policy around this kind of engagement should, should be so restrictive that, that we can't flex around it to make it make sense. Oh, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, well, you know, you have really um, added a lot uh, for, at least for me, I know, um, to think about, uh, particularly around, around these uh, uh, what what should be you know kind of the agenda items and and one thing I just didn't even think about is just the pushback around how many people um, can one be productively uh, or can one productively supervise or provide feedback for I think that's an important consideration mm-hmm. so thank you mm-hmm. for for mentioning that um, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know you know we we often just kind of take what we're given. Right, like mm-hmm. that's the work, that's the job, um, without also yeah. providing feedback upwardly. You know, saying you know, managing up as we know we sometimes have to do, and say you may yeah. not have thought about this, but um, it would be more effective. You know, it's not about I'm just trying to get out of work. You know, that might be the right. first thing that people think is that uh, yeah. you're asking for us to give you fewer people to supervise. Now, there also what I've seen is that there are a lot of people that, that get their sense of power in an organization based on how big their 
you know, kind of workload is, how many people they have under them, um, uh, you know, so, so let's not, let's not uh, forget that. But one other thing yeah. that I also, you know, I, I would love to, uh, you, know, you know, think what people think about out there is that you, you know, sometimes you have to rethink your organizational structure. You know, your organizational structure is, is something that might actually need to be re restructured so that mm-hmm. you don't have as many people. So um, I, uh, I hear you might have a crisis in the background, but uh, so um, no, we're a little bit out of time, um, and and I want to give you an opportunity, though, to share um, with anyone where they might find you. I'm sure some people could use uh, some help from you. Um, so websites sure. or um, any, any, um, any place they can find you, books, TED Talks, please share that at this point. Sure. Um, I can be found on my website, which is www.tajanrenderos.com. That's T-A-J-A-N-R-E-N-D-E-R-O-S dot com. That's www.tajanrenderos.com, T-A-J-A-N-R-E-N-D-E-R-O-S dot com. I'm really active on LinkedIn, so I would encourage folks to um, connect with me at Tajan Renderos Coaching on LinkedIn. Um, but I would say the, my website is the kind of central place to start yeah. if folks are interested yeah. in um, um, looking at what I do in terms of speaking engagements or my framework and or how I work with companies. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to be with us today yeah. and um, look forward. To, I'll be sure to uh, follow you and continue to encourage you from a distance. So uh, thanks again. Go well, stay well. All right. Thank you. Take care.